Sure. Okay. Are you in a comfortable position close to the microphone? I am awful cozy. You know, I've got a blanket on my lap. Have that Christmas spirit. Oh, yeah. You know? Christmas spirits. Ho, I think ho, the last ho. episode we recorded was before Thanksgiving. Well, I guess that makes sense because that was that, like well, that last was week. A, that was a Thanksgiving special. I thought we said that. I yeah. thought you said it was the Halloween special. Well, yeah. it was special. It was, the it was fall it was special. special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was the fall special. Yes. You know. Um, Close enough. Well, welcome to the Christmas special. Bitches. Bitches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What's new? What's popping? Oh. What's been going on? No. What's your What's your favorite thing to do to get in the Christmas mood? My favorite thing to do to get in the Christmas mood, I love watching stop motion Christmas specials like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and hmm. um, you know um, the Year Without a Santa Claus. You know, like with like the. I think those are creepy. Well, you're Would wrong claymation be considered stop motion? What claymation? Yeah, claymation. I find claymation kind of creepy, but like, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. You know, they're just repositioning figures over and over again. Like, you don't remember the Year Without a Santa Claus where they have, um, you know, uh, what was it? It's, um, they call me, it's like Heatmeister and uh, Freezemeister or whatever. I don't think I've seen that movie. Freezemeister and Icemeister, maybe? Um, Jägermeister? No, 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 no. But you don't, that gets you in the Christmas you don't, spirit. You don't remember, um... You know, uh, um, no, how am I going to remember it if I'm nursing? They call me Heatmeister. I'm Mr. Sun. You know, they call me Heatmeister. I'll make it a hundred and one. Mm. They call me Heatmeister. You know, whenever I touch, starts to melt in my clutch. He's too much. Dun, 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 Sounds like a Macklemore song. It's much more musically. Um, uh, articulate well, Macklemore. But anyway. I'm sure it's wonderful. So and I'm sure it gets your Christmas spirit going. So there's, yeah, there's a few of them that get shown regularly like on the networks. Yeah, like Rudolph. Rudolph. And you without the Santa Claus, if you, God, pay attention, um, <laughs> is uh, is on there. But... Um, you didn't have cable. It's, um, it's the, so the, the studio that makes all these, it's actually very interesting oh, history. Right. It's called... It's called, um, it's called, oh, what is it called? It's something, ba- Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass is a really cool company uh, organization, really, in like the 70s and 80s, and they did a lot of stop motion um, productions, as well as um, a lot of animation. They actually did, did um, I believe they, yeah, I believe Rankin Bass did a, a um, they did an adaptation of, um, some uh, Lord of the Rings. He either did the Hobbit. Oh, I've seen these. Yeah, yeah. Well, because and, and so people confuse them. I think one of them is Rankin Bass, but one of them was um, oh, this other really popular uh, animator. Another uh, popular time. Animator. Oh, Ralph Bakshi. Oh. Ah, well, well, you know, more time for Ralph Bakshi. Anyway, Rankin Bass. They have a huge catalog though of these like sort of holiday specials that get like very like interesting and weird, and they, you know, the TVs don't show them, and it's really cool to actually like find all these and watch them, and you know, I, that's what I like to do. You know, that's it, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. What do you like to do to get in the Christmas spirit? Make cookies. That's well, that's Eat a good cookies. one. Oh, these are good ones, you know. Um, get stressed about what I'm going to buy my family for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Which I think, you know, let's do away with presents. Yeah. It's just a capitalist plot. Um, Giving things to others? Yeah. It's a capitalist plot. Mm, <laughs> nope, it is. Okay, very good, very good. <laughs> if you really want to give your family a gift, you should go out and, like, skin a deer and make a lamp out of it and then give it to them. No. Just kidding, I'm going to do that. The deer are too cute. Yeah, well, you know. Either way, my point stands. Yeah. Capitalist plot. But, bless you, Smokey. Oh! That was very cute. Oh, he's doing it again. So we're talking. So we have Uh, Christmas specials, cookies. What else is on the the prescribed Christmas agenda? Well, I would appreciate if it was snowing here, but we live in a place where that's apparently not going to happen. You were just complaining that it was too cold outside. (laughs) But it'd be fine if it was snowing. I like it when it's cold and there's snow. Then there's a a point. I see. I see. Very Um, well. Yeah, you know. I like to drive around and look I like at to Christmas see the lights. lights. Yeah. yeah, I like to put sort of Christmas music on the car radio. Plot. 
I like to decorate a Christmas tree. Decorating the Christmas tree is fun. Is, but isn't that a capitalist plot? We bought that tree. We paid. Well, we, did you see how I didn't want to buy ornaments, so I made some? You know, yeah. But yeah. I did buy those oranges. You did buy those oranges. Um. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to be sustainable. <laughs> just kidding. I like the whole Christmas season, you know? I, you know, I, I don't go crazy. I don't, like, go out and, like, buy stuff on, like, Black Friday. I don't... I feel like I'm not, like, that, like, pissed off. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I'm b- as bad as shopping as anybody. But, like, it, you know, it doesn't particularly, like, aggravate me to, to do it once I get around to it. I don't know. I like this I enjoy ones, it you know? as well. Yeah. I think I would like Hanukkah. Hanukkah? I don't know a lot about the holiday, but I feel like it's fun. Uh, it's, like, eight days. Yeah. And they, I mean... So growing up in Colorado, I had one of my best friends was Jewish, and I would do some like Hanukkah stuff with them. I would go to the synagogue with them and like you know celebrate some you know do some like Hanukkah like services or whatever, and wear, wear the funny little hats. Yeah, you know? it looks fun. Yeah, because um, yarmulke. It's not that different than Christmas. They just break the days up over eight days. So yeah. There's I wouldn't give it any sort of tangible. Difference I think it's less Christmas. in your face than Christmas is. So I think that's why I feel like I romanticize it. You know. It's on TV I do like less. the holiday season, it's I guess. It's on TV less, you know, yeah, you know, um, you know, yeah. I'm just sour because I was stress shopping for presents today. Yeah, stop being, such a, stop, stop being a Grinch, you know? Well, oh, that's another great Christmas special, too. Have you, have, I do, thought do, you, you were scared like, of the Grinch. Just terrified of, of him, but we've we've uh, we've We should re- dress Smokey up as Max. Max would be great, yeah. It's um, so cute. I, I, really, I like the cartoon. I don't like the Jim Carrey movie. Um, I like the... See, I do like The Grinch. I think that's a fun movie. That's a good one. Um, Home Alone. Favorite Christmas Home movie. Home Alone's really good. Fred Claus. Vince Vaughn. Paul Giamatti. Kevin Spacey. It's an instant classic, and I cannot I want to watch... Um, that it doesn't get more appreciation. Something Something's Christmas Vacation. Oh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. I've seen that. It's, 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 it's pretty good. I haven't seen it, but I want to watch it. Yeah. I yeah. also liked the Krampus movie we watched the other day. Yeah, that was good. I want to yeah. go over to like Europe and do like a real Krampus knocked or Krampus whatever yeah. they call it because it looks, they light stuff on fire. It looks fun. Oh, yeah. Spooky, fun, you know. Yeah. Um, well, who knows? Maybe once we get a little further into this, well, once we meander our way over to Forest Movie Corner, maybe there'll be another Christmas movie in store that we haven't discussed oh, yet. Oh, yes. I, I'm sure that this titillating topic today will light a fire under your imagination. I'm sure it will, you know. So what, yeah, so yeah, on their Christmas special, um, well, I, well, before we... This before, isn't the Christmas gonna... special. We still have like two more weeks before Christmas. This is the Christmas special, though. No, it's not. Yeah, well, this is the Christmas. This was supposed to be a, a late Halloween spooky special. Well, everyone knows that the Christmas Christmas specials come out a couple weeks before Christmas. This is the Christmas special. Well, that's not how we're doing it. Well, ho ho ho. What if I want to do a non-denominational holiday special? Yeah, I won't stop yet. You know? All right. Well, this is the super duper late Halloween spooky special. This is okay. Super duper late Halloween special. I see. So you will have a Christmas special plan then. Non-denominational holiday special. <laughs> War on Christmas continues. Bill O'Reilly was right about everything. All right, continue. Well, should I get into the news or shall we talk about a non-denominational holiday special any longer? Oh, I'm already totally defeated on the whole concept. Yeah, I've gotten <laughs> oh, to the news. Yeah. Well, a cargo jet was forced to turn around due to a loose horse in its cargo hold. A flight from New York uh, to Belgium was forced to return to JFK mid-flight when a horse broke out of its pen... The Boeing 747 was crossing the ocean when the pilot radioed air traffic control to Boston reporting the issue. Uh, the pilot said, we don't have a problem as of flying-wise, but we need to return, return back to New York. We cannot get the horse back secured. So this horse... Was loose on a plane. Was loose. On a Horses plane. on a plane. Like snakes yeah, on a plane. But a, like less, on more, a plane. less more poop on the floor. Less more poops on the floor. A lot more dangerous. Honestly, Dang. a lot scarier. Yeah, honestly, it's probably scary. like incredibly more dangerous yeah. to have just a horse running about. Was it like in the main cabin? No, I think it is in the cargo. So you just everyone's just hearing this horse clumping Just tromping around. around. Who brings a horse on a plane? Well, see, I think this, I think this was probably a cargo plane. Oh, okay. I don't think that you could fit a horse underneath, you know? I think, like, it must be a cargo situation. Interesting. And so the horse is just going to be awake the whole time? Or do they give it, like, you know, some... I'm guessing? I don't know. They give it, like, a nice hearty meal of carbohydrates? So I mean, you think sleep? they got to ship animals all over the place. 
I think they probably don't react too scary to planes. You put a horse on a boat, though, couldn't you? You can put, yeah. But I mean, it's faster. I bet rich people fly their horses places. I guess so. Yeah, interesting. I, I never really thought about moving horses. I like mean, that. I feel like putting a horse in a plane is less scary for the horse than being like in the in a trailer, like going down the interstate. Like you ever like go down the interstate and there's just a horse in the trailer in front of you and it's just like looking out the window, like just hanging out. Yeah. That seems like it would be horrifying for the yeah. horse. But they don't seem to mind. You always wonder though. I I feel like horses and like and like animals are like sensitive to like, you know, weird like pressures and like you know various like signals in nature. I wonder what they think of like being like up in the air going like you know five hundred miles an hour. Yeah. They probably know something's amiss. But I mean, they feel what you do. Like they can't probably feel the speed. Their ears probably pop. I'm guessing. But like, don't don't animals just have keener senses than us? Like, isn't it true? Know. Like an I think animal knows an credit. animal knows if it's gonna be stormy like tomorrow or whatever. You know, yeah. isn't that true? I don't know. So do people with knee replacements. I I, I don't buy that at all. No, it's just self yeah. pressure change. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. Maybe you can report back when you do your podcast. No, I've already forgotten what we were talking about. Keep going. All right. So researchers are launching the largest Loch Ness monster hunt since 1972. Enthusiasts from the Loch Ness Center and Loch Ness Exploration are seeking fellow monster lovers to join their search to observe, record, and study the natural behavior of the loch and phenomena that may be challenging to explain. So instead of just dredging the fucking lake like they should have done for the past 200 years. They're just staring at the water, but this time more fervently. Mm-hmm. Since 1972. Tremendous. All right. The team is pulling out all the stops with new technology, including surveying equipment that has never been used on the lake before, including drones with infrared cameras and a hydrophone that will detect Nessie-like calls. Nessie-like so calls. So they're bringing in drones like now. Crank so calls, like crank calls? Like, Oh, that's okay. what I imagined it would sound like. I thought they were talking about like like a like what? when it calls the local tavern. Yeah, yeah, like, like hey, bub, is your I refrigerator need five running? Five pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> or like, is, your, is your refrigerator running? Yeah, well, I mean, fuck you, I'm Nessie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's just Bessie, not Nessie. That's what it would say. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> they are no longer accepting applicants for their team, but urge people to join their live stream. The Loch Ness is, or the Loch, yeah, the Loch Ness is 22 square miles and 788 feet deep at its maximum. So I don't think you can dredge this lake. Hmm. And the lake is Great Britain's largest lake by volume and second largest by surface area. Hmm. So I feel like it probably got some EPA protections on it. You can't just go digging in that thing. What do you think about uh, Loch Ness? I like the theory that there are, like, caves that lead to the ocean in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like some, like, you know the, the program we watched about the cenotes? Yes. Like, there there's underwater caves. I mean, I don't really think there's a monster in it. I bet they just saw a big fish. I subscribe to the, what's his name? Oh, my God. It's a sin. I'm forgetting his name. River Monsters. Oh, Jeremy Wade. Jeremy Wade's, you know, when his... Thing, that it was just some big fish that was scaring people. So you think okay, so you think it might have been like you get these like, like isolated lakes that yeah. like yeah kind of can kind of develop and genetic abnormality just by, by based on like isolation. Interesting. Or there's just yeah fish that gets big enough and then it has no natural predators in the lake anymore and then it gets really freaking big. So, you know, I, I think that like holds a lot of water and I think it's been proven here and there maybe not to the extent of like Nessie but like yeah I think they've like proven like in some of these like isolated like northern lakes. You can get these really fucking big um, fish because of like, yeah, I mean, I don't know how it works, like genetic isolation or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, I guess I don't, I've never been to Loch Ness, so I don't really know what like, is there commercial fishing? Are people like fishing it frequently? Are there, I don't know, I just guess, and the lake's really deep. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like you could get a fish that just hangs out there and like, isn't seen very often and... So I do have personal theories about Loch Ness. Um, (laughs) Let them go. Maybe we'll do a whole Loch Ness episode one day. You know, I think... uh, Maybe based off these new findings. Yeah. Well, I think it is not genetics or science. I think it's magic. Ah, magic, and so out of okay. left field comes magic. It's actually, it's actually quite historically grounded. So we all know Aleister Crowley, you know, who was a, a very famous um, wizard. 
was a yes, yeah, a, a wizard, a guy who was like really one of the last great uh, quote unquote Wizards. occultists, you know, in, in uh, sort of Victorian era society who you know practiced you know occult rituals and Magic. danced around in funny hats, you know, in uh, moose lodges and stuff like that. Well, anyway. So Alistair Crowley... Didn't he do a lot of, like, sex magic, too? Yeah, you know. Of, <laughs> of you course. Know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Anyone yeah. who's read A Court of Thorns and Roses knows that putting the, the D in the B makes some magic happen, you know? Well, Alistair Crowley actually <laughs> believed all the magic was putting um, the, the... P in the A? What are all these... Yes, yeah, 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 he, yeah he, yes. Yes. So anyway, but that's that, that's not important. You're 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 you're, um, you're trying to discredit me right now. Sorry. I can tell. So Alistair Crowley, in his later years, um, basically after he was shunned by his um, magical society in uh, in London, um, uh, he what was moved. This again, the magical society in London. Uh, Which it, one it was, was it? the Order of the Golden Dawn. Uh, it was is what it was called. Four um, H. What's that? Was it 4-H? Future Farmers of America? Which one was? No, it was Order of the Golden Dawn. I just said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. And anyway, so he got so he gets banished. He moves to this house called Bullskin House. Now, Bullskin House is on Loch Ness. And it is known that Alistair Crowley, um, I believe with... Um, um, what's his name? Um, Parsons. Jack Parsons, oh. who was the very famous um, American... Um, uh, rocket physicist, um, uh, those two together, and I believe, God, yeah, I believe Jack Parsons was there. Were. Yeah, you, you, even though Ron Hubbard poked his head in on them. Um, but anyway, I can't remember if Jack Parsons was there. But anyway, um, Alistair Crowley at, at Bolskin House in Loch Ness attempted what is known as the Moon Child ritual, right? Which is where you, um, it's it's got nothing to do, really got nothing to do with the child. Well, but it's anything about, to do with the moon? It is about bringing this. Um, very ancient spirit into the world so they can do your bidding. And anyway, so um, Alistair uh, Crowley um, did the ritual. They, it was incomplete. Oh. And um, it is known, it was basically kind of, it's been kind of said that when you did do this ritual incomplete, it could kind of open a door ajar in sort of space and time without your ability to close it. And so, and that... Mm, and this, this door is at Loch Ness. This ritual, yes, this ritual is performed at Loch Ness. So perhaps, you know, if you believe in the whole like goblin universe sort of stuff about sort of things oh, kind of poking their heads like in through this. other dimensions, perhaps the uh, that ritual uh, produced an anomaly in the sort of fabric in space and time. And it's why... They haven't been able to prove sort of nesting. Like it's probably not a fucking dinosaur in the lake, but you get these weird sightings of perhaps images of different realities kind of poking their heads in on people. Oh, so anyway. I like it. I like it. And Bolskin House in itself, you should look it up. It's a very nice That's property. That's very interesting. Yeah. So there you is go. It, it's still there? Uh, I think it is. Maybe. Um, See, yeah. the only thing that I have a little, like, you know, thought about that is if they did conjure up a hole in space-time due to not finishing this ritual to completion, wouldn't you think there'd be more sightings of things around the lake? Like, I feel like there just haven't been enough. Well, well you know, I mean... First... Like, the Sturgeon's photograph happened in the 30s. When when was Alistair Crowley running about? Or the uh, Sturgeon, not the Sturgeon. When he... When did he... When did he do this ritual? Oh, I don't know. Um, 1899 through 1913 is when he owned the house. So Aleister Crowley wrote the Moonchild novel in 1917. So yeah, this probably was definitely before the surgeon's photograph. So that's pretty cool. And sightings did start in like the 30s. Hmm, interesting. I like that theory. That's good, good stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it was the actual Moonchild ritual, but it was apparently a series of operations known as the sacred magic of Abramelin the mage taken from a grimoire called the Book of Abramelin. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's, a. Uh, let's see, the ritual takes six, at least six months of preparation, celibacy, and absence from alcohol. However, it also includes the summoning of 12 kings and the dukes of hell. Um, so anyway. Metal. That's pretty fun. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Um. All right, well, new Nessie theory. You should probably, uh, text that over to our, you know, boys and girls at the Loch Ness Expulation and Loch Ness Center. Yeah. And they will... Take Parent? that into consideration. Looks like Bullskin House. Um, 
uh, the foundation for it is there, but it looks like it is not like some place you can go and stay. I'm just looking mm -hmm. at pictures. It looks like the kind of an old historical foundation, but it looks like it w it's uh, in ruin. So, but yeah, that'd be a pretty sick place to go look at. Overlooks. Uh, here's a picture. The, of the lock. Overlooks the, the lock. Oh, very pretty. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll throw that up on the Instagram. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's. That's the your theory news? on the Loch Ness. Yes, that was the news. Something that happened 100 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nice. You're welcome. Yeah. Sick. All right. Well, now we can get in to the real inspiration for the super late, extra special Halloween spectacular. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So, I, since we were, have been watching what we do in the shadows quite religiously, I've been a little bit intrigued by vampires. And I've wanted to watch Twilight again since it's getting to be that time of year. But is, you haven't wanted to watch it with me. What do you so, mean it's getting to that time of year? Is Twilight a Christmas movie? Twilight and Harry Potter, I feel like, are like good between, like, betwixt fall and Christmas or, like, over winter break movies to watch. I fucking hate that. I hate that Harry Potter is, is like, a Halloween movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's, it's an all-the-time It's an all the time movie. I think Harry Potter is a Halloween movie, and I think Lord of the Rings slash Hobbit is Christmas. Okay, I agree with that too, as well as Die Hard, but... If we're just talking about like eight movie stretches that take like multiple yeah, days, no. you know? Um, no, I agree. We used to always, I think, watch Lord of the Rings on New Year's Day. Yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings is Great way to bring the New Year. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I agree with you. But Twilight's just another one of those movies that's like... Terrible. Not terrible. It's just kind of dreary and fun to watch when it's cold out. I guess. We'll, we'll watch it. Maybe. I'm throwing winks your way. You see All right. Well, I see your winks. Okay. Very well. Very well. <laughs> well, so anyway, we are going to talk some vampires. Some vampires, if you may. Vampires. Yeah. Okay. What, what kind of vampires? You know? All of them. We're going to cover every single one of them. Every single one of them. All right. No, mostly we're... Oh, oh dear. Not the glasses. My glasses, my glasses. Sorry. First, continue. we'll start with some good old language. So, the term vampire was first recorded in English, Latin, and French, and is possibly from the French word vampire or German vampire, which I think in my head are the same, but they're spelled different. Yeah, that's like saying like the word hola was, is, is, <laughs> is drawn from the Latin American word hola. Yeah, you know? no. Okay. They, well, they're spelled different. Um, the terms are common across many languages, and the exact etymology is unclear for the word, but the word vampire first appeared in English in 1732 when news reported about vampire epidemics in Eastern Europe. So the idea of vampirism has existed for thousands of years in cultures across the earth. The Mesopotamians, Hebrews, ancient Greeks, Romans, and many others across you know human history have had tales of demons and spirits displaying vampirism or something that is akin to vampirism. Hmm. The common image of a vampire we know today comes mostly from 18th century southeastern Europe. These vampires um, are revenants of evil beings, suicide victims, witches, and are usually created by a malevolent spirit possessing a corpse or, of course, being bitten by another vampire. So, creating a vampire also differs across cultures. In Slavic and Chinese traditions, a corpse that was leapt over by an animal was at risk of becoming a vampire. And in Russian folklore, a person who rebelled against the Russian Orthodox Church while alive was said to become a vampire after death. And of course, witches are also always vampires. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Witches equal vampire. Yes. Yeah. Um, where there were vampires, there were those who wanted to avoid vampires. So many people changed burial practices to avoid their loved ones turning into a blood-sucking monster. Corpses were buried upside down in many cases. Other bodies were buried with earthly items, such as farming equipment, to appease the demon entering the body and keep it cozy down in its little grave so it wouldn't leave the coffin. Which, why would you leave farming equipment? Why don't you leave like a nice snuggly blankie or like a pillow? Those were harder times. You're right. Yeah. Farm, they're like, mm. yeah. I know you love plowing that field. <laughs> um, Europeans also dumped poppy seeds or sand in the ground to keep the presumed vampire busy, as vampires were, of course, said to needed to count all these items, which is apparently called arithmomania. Oh. And this is similar in Chinese beliefs stated that vampires would have to count every grain of rice if it came across like a sack of rice. Hmm. So that's a way to keep them busy, yeah. keep them distracted. Others went a more crude route and just cut the tendons at the knees so the vampires could not get out. 
Uh, interesting. Which I think is a you know quick, efficient way to do it. So identifying vampires is also important to keep yourself safe. One method to find a vampire grave, including leading a virgin boy on a virgin stallion, I don't know what that means, through a graveyard and the horse would balk or like hesitate at the grave. So that seems like it's got a lot of stipulations, you know, leaving a little nerd on a weird nerd horse through a graveyard. Um, Holes over a grave signal the resting place of a vampire because, you know, it's like disturbed, obviously, not like animals digging around or anything. If examining a body, a corpse that looks healthier than expected is often the sign of a vampire, and it will, like, lack signs of decomposition. Most tales only describe how vampires do not give, um, like, or, like, cast a reflection or a shadow. So, like, mirrors, you know, the tradition or whatever. Yeah. I don't really know. It doesn't really say where that came from, Mm -hmm. but that's a very common way to like tell someone's a vampire. Hmm. Vampires cannot enter a home unless invited by the owner in many traditions. And vampires often hunt at night, but they originally were not considered to be vulnerable to sunlight. Interesting. So that wasn't like an original thing. So where where did the word vampire come from? Like what culture? So I just said that it's unknown. It's unknown what culture. It like they if you look it up on the Wikipedia page, it's just like paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of yeah. like vampire could have came from this and this, which eventually stemmed from this and this. So oh, okay. I think it just like evolved through language. Because I, I always find it interesting to like kind of compare like because um, so, there's the, there's a term vampire, but then there's other like terms that have been used, especially like in Eastern Europe, to describe like what is generally considered like a vampire. Because yeah. there's the Romanian term, I was just looking it up, like strigoi. Have you heard of that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's like... like a striga. What's that? Yeah. Well, I feel like sometimes when movies want to like be like kind of like hipster or like a little bit different, they like use, use the word yeah. like strigoi or yeah. whatever. And uh, I guess that was a Romanian term for... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for basically a very similar sort of yeah. uh, creature. And know? I mean, that's what like they said like... Even before, like, the English language or any of these languages, like, places in, like, Mesopotamia or, like, I'm sure even, like, if you look further back, like, communities in, like, Africa, like, at the beginning of time had terms for, like, oh, scary, bad, like, ghosty person, and they probably had a term for it. That was, like, a vamp, in our language today, vampiric, but they just didn't have, like, they had a different label for it. Okay, and so, and then where does, like, historically, where does, like, Vlad the Impaler come in? Does, is he, does, does he does he make a, an entrance in this? I did not have an entrance for him written down. Did you know who Vlad yeah. the Impaler is? Yeah. yeah. Well, he was like, what, what? He was a, was he a Russian? He, sort of? I think he was Russian. He was either Russian or Romanian. And he was, this was kind of a feudal era because he wasn't like the king of Russia, I don't no. think. But he was some sort of feudal leader. And it was supposed that he, like... He was had a prince di- of Wallachia, which is now in Romania. I'll bet that's Wallachia. <laughs> I'm going to guess correct. it's not Wallachia. <laughs> Wallachia. Yeah. It's Wallachia. You are and, correct. Um, and I, I think he that's actually... He liked to plunder Saxton villages. Yeah. But I think he had developed a reputation of torturing people and, like, having a taste for, like, their flesh and, like, yeah. their blood. Or, like, he would, yeah. like, impale them, but then also just, like, sit there and, like, watch them die. Yeah, yeah. And so that actually, I think, really contributed a lot to the, the, the vampire lore was this like notion of this like you know we, we think in and you know of course in like um in sort of modern sort of uh, iconography we all we always think about um dracula living in a big castle yeah well why the fuck does dracula have to li- live live in a castle it's yeah why can't he like live in a cave right yeah. well it's because of vlad the Imperial. Yeah. it's 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 because of him the iconography shifted from being this monster that kind of like yeah. lives in the dirt. It's basically a bug yeah. to making vampires more of this regal sort of esteemed mm-hmm. figure. And I think a, a lot of that comes from Vlad, you know, Vlad the Impaler and this sort of intertwining of this sort of monstrous thing with actually some sort of like, like ruler yeah. or some sort of like esteemed yeah. person who's above like the these, common man. These you know? first vampires were more viewed as like, well, you know, vampires before like the modern idea of them was yeah. more viewed as like they were corpses, like they were bloated and ugly and like they almost more like zombies yeah. in our like mind now. But yeah. like, yeah, they kind of took on this like immortal kind of like almost ethereal yeah. like look to them, which, you know, led to Twilight, of course. And yeah, like, you know. Dracula. Yeah. Me, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, uh, and I don't know how she really fits in, but there's also who it's the God, the the Queen of Bath. Have you ever heard of that lady? I don't know. 
Something of bath. bath. Okay, here it is. Aha! The most common motif of, of a, a Elizabeth Bathory is that she would bathe in the blood of her victims as a way to retain her legendary beauty in, in ah, the in Like youth. Madame LaLaurie. Yes, exactly. And so she was a, a, a lot alive in the um, 1500s. Um, and let's see, yeah, so she was Countess Elizabeth Bathory uh, de Essed, I guess, um, was a Hungarian noblewoman and alleged serial killer uh, oh, from the family of Bathory who owned land in Hungary. So it's another example of basically these upper crust rulers becoming, you know, being very, developing these legends of being very sadistic and developing taste for human flesh that I think kind of give the modern sort of concept of vampires, or at least like, at least like Dracula, and think of like the, you know, the universal, you know, sort of like the classic Dracula living in the mm -hmm. old castle and all that. Yeah. It kind of gives you, that's kind of where that comes yeah. from, I would imagine, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, because a lot of these are like very different from that. Yeah. As we will learn. Mm -hmm. But back to my, you know, pretty much just bastardization of like thousands of years of like folklore. The good news is that there are ways to protect yourself if Ooh. you are unlucky enough to encounter a vampire. Ooh. Apotropastics. Apotropastics? Let's look up how to say, pronounce this word. Apotropastics. Gazoon time. Ready? Time to say that, please. Apotropaic. Apotropaics. Okay. Way off. Apotropaics <laughs> are items able to ward off revenants, are one that returns after death or a long absence. Oh. So, garlic, wild rose, and hawthorn can be harmful to a vampire. Mustard seeds could be sprinkled on a roof to keep a house safe. Hmm. So that's where and they're, they're tasty. That's, that's where the whole garlic thing comes from? Yeah, it's because cool. it just is stinky. Cool. So, sacred items like crucifixes, rosaries, or holy water are also apotropaics. Vampires are unable to walk on consecrated grounds, i.e. churches or temples, or cross running water. So, that's where those come from. Interesting. And if you find a vampire, you gotta kill that thing. So, gotta kill. the most common method is by staking, particularly in South Slavic cultures. Russian and Baltic societies preferred using ash, but Serbia preferred hawthorn wood. The most potential vampires were staked through the heart, but Russian and Germany usually targeted the mouth. So... Different woods, different spots. Did that kind of have any intertwining with, like, they're, like, staking these dead bodies, like, into the ground so they can't come up? I think... You know? Or... Yeah. Okay. That's... Because like, they like, did they, that to, like, the dead once in a while to, like, yeah, keep them down, Yeah, they you know? go into, like, their coffins and they drive yeah. a stake, like, to, like, pin them, like, mm -hmm. then, you know, they can't come up, yeah. you know? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, German and Western Slavic areas often decapitated a potential vampire. And when I'm saying potential vampire, I just mean someone they're putting in the ground and they're a little worried about it, yeah. it might come back up. Um, burying its head between the feet or behind the buttocks. Uh, other people took more drastic measures to prevent a corpse from rising um, and did like what you said, or just like staked him into the ground mm -hmm. so they didn't go anywhere. Our, uh, whoa. Our ancestors have had vampires on the brain for a very long time, but once in a while, the fear of these mythological creatures get the best of us. So I found out first about the great vampire epidemic. So, no. during the 18th century, people in Eastern Europe to believe that vampires were real and appearing in large numbers for no reason at all. The first case occurred in Serbia in 1725, then another in 1726, where people believed a vampire had caused, like, an illness. So, this panic quickly swept through Eastern Europe and parts of Western Europe, so, the whole Europe, and people began unearthing the dead and manipulating the corpses, like I said before, to prevent the spread of disease... So this I thought was very interesting because I didn't really know about this, but people at the time obviously did not really know about germ theory and that like bacteria, viruses, other things made us sick. And they actually like didn't know the underlying cause of all like the deaths of these people. However, they believe that one person dying followed by many others dying has to be the result of the one person before dying, which makes them a vampire. Hmm. So they pretty much like blames what we'll like come to find out is like tuberculosis on people being vampires because when they don't die, go on the ground, a bunch of other people die and they're like, they have to be a vampire. Oh, that's so interesting. So that's why they said like vampire epidemics is because people are getting sick, mm -hmm. but they just blamed it on vampires. Yeah. Anyway, so in reality, the cause of these deaths and the hysteria surrounding them were mostly two diseases sweeping across the continent. 
One was pellagra. Pellagra is a disease caused by a niacin imbalance, which I guess is B3. It causes a sensitivity to sunlight, leading to pale, corpse-like skin, foul breath, and anemia. Wow, that's a lot of the, kind of the, mm-hmm. that's what we think of like vampires when we kind of think about them. So, pellagra huh. did not exist in Eastern Europe until the 18th century, after corn was introduced, and many people had diets high in corn and low in variety, leading to lots of pellagra. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's an Italian thing, but. Uh, another disease existed in Eastern Europe far before the 18th century, and that was rabies. Oh. So several hundred cases of rabies were re- recorded. I'm going to put quotes around recorded. Okay. Um, spread by rabid wolves, according to people at the time. Well, yeah, wolves were recorded cases where it was like, someone just writing like, that wolf was really pissed off. <laughs> one angry that wolf. Was one pissed off wolf. Um, a person infected with rabies is prone to biting, avoiding sunlight, and other strong odors. And erratic behavior. Hmm. So, strong odors, garlic. Sounds like smoking. Exactly. So, uh, the great vampire epidemic only lasted from 1725 to 1755. And the cases of vampirism is unknown. So, this is just, like, far enough back that they, like, don't really know exactly what was going on. They just knew people were, like, unearthing people, burying them back down with, like, their heads cut off and all this stuff. Because they were scared that they were vampires. It's always Um, really interesting when, like sort of like maladies that are like different to like difficult to like pin down kind of get blamed on like super like like supernatural stuff yeah it was like like like, oh i guess like wasn't like the salem witch trials i mean like they kind of like pinned like witchcraft when it was really just kind of like yeah they had had a theory that it was like like, feeling funky and Mm -hmm. it was also just like life was hard in the 1800s yeah like no it wasn't 1700s 1600s when was salem Oh, 1600s. Late 1600s. Yeah. But where was... What was the thing? I'm trying to find the, like... Um... For Salem? Oh, they think that the Salem witch trials were, like, caused by, like, ergot poisoning. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. Well, yeah, ergot poisoning. But I think poisoning. that got, like, debunked. But it is a pretty fun theory. I think it's a fun theory that, like, people were just, like, feeling funky. Yeah, they were like, Because it was like, like, ergot and, like, it, like, you know, you just... You live in kind of a haze. Life is hard in the 1800s, and you all know, of a sudden things start getting real weird. Life's hard in the 1600s. Keep yeah, saying that wrong. Yeah, life's still hard, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing with like tuberculosis. You know, mm-hmm. people it's like freaking to, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the epidemic was one of disease history and cultural history. The spread of vampire folklore jumped from a cause of the disease to a feature in literature, theater, and much later film that's where twilight comes in Mm. but this isn't the only time this happens it happened across the pond right here in new england with the new england vampire panic so the new england vampire panic was a reaction to an outbreak of tuberculosis throughout the northeast that took place over 200 years after the salem witch trials so rhode island connecticut massachusetts vermont and other new england states suffered from the consumption in the 19th century so it's in the 800 1800s Tuberculosis was called the consumption because they believed it consumed an infected person's body just because, like, they pretty much just, like, atrophy and get, like, super skinny and just kind of, like, wither away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, the t- consumption. The consumption. That's the Betsy. You got the consumption. Yep. Yeah. Between 1786 and 1800, um, tuberculosis killed 2% of New England. TB caused a person to lose weight, cough up blood, and die a very slow, painful death. And it is actually a bacterial disease but this was not discovered until like the late 19th century. So this was way before they like knew what was going on. It is very contagious. Um, but during this time, people believed it was caused by a deceased person who had died of tuberculosis, um, draining the life of remaining family members. Newspapers in the area dubbed these cases as vampire cases as they portrayed vampire beliefs in Eastern Europe at the time. So when tuberculosis began to run through New England families, Bodies of those that had died of tuberculosis were exhumed and examined. If the corpse was looking extra fresh and, like, not very decayed, or if the heart or other organs contained liquid blood, it was deemed that the corpse was feeding off the living. So to stop the corpse from attacking the surviving family members, the public had strategies to stop it. Sometimes the corpse was turned over in its grave, and other times the family would burn the fresh, so like the organs that they found that still had like liquid blood in them, and then rebury the bodies. 
and the impacted family members would inhale the smoke from the burned organs or just eat the ashes to like to cure the consumption. Okay. Nasty. And occasionally the body would just be decapitated if they were feeling, you know, extra lazy that day. <laughs> One of the more notable vampire rituals was documented as the Jewett City Vampires. So a colonial graveyard, which was just skeletons in a pit, basically, was discovered in the 1990s in Griswold, Connecticut. These bodies showed signs of tuberculosis because it kind of like riddles the bones. It gets all, you know. Soft. Yeah. Um, and their skeletons had been rearranged in like skull and crossbone patterns. So they think that like in Connecticut, they like pulled all the bodies up and just rearranged all the bones. And <laughs> like, all right, we'll label those. There, you know? <laughs> so Rachel uh, Harris Burton, who lived from 1770 to 1790, died in Manchester, Vermont from tuberculosis. Her husband, in an attempt to save his second wife, who was also tuberculosis infected, exhumed her body and i saw this like little placard in where she was originally buried while i was there yeah but i didn't I, know I the story say, at the you time. went to manchester right? yeah, yeah i think i sent you a picture of this but yeah. i didn't know about this at the time i was just like "Ooh, a vampire yeah. but it was like cool it had the story on it huh. um so bram stroker's dracula did not come out till 1897 Rather, this vampire panic was more large, likely brought on by, like, traveling healers from Europe coming over. A Connecticut newspaper published a letter to the editor from a town official complaining about a foreign quack doctor promoting the <laughs> consumption ritual, convincing a townsman to exhume two of his dead children. So far, 80 vampire rituals have been documented in New England during this time. These were expected to have continued from 1784 until 1892 and... Well, like at the time, were known and accepted by the community. Hmm. So that was all. That was all I had about the the vampire panics. You know. God, that's you know. <laughs> it, it's it's not a, as like glitz and glammy as like I was trying to. At first, I was like, oh, I should look up like cases of vampires, but then I stumbled upon this. You know little disease history thing and i was very excited no it's, it's i think it's always it's interesting how like the real world events kind of have like contributed to or they've kind of propagated to like the modern iconography of like you know certain like monsters and stuff like that yeah that, uh, ultimately that's what you get kind of on the on the screen and you know how they get you know a skinny 21-year-old dude with wearing glitter all over his, you know, body, you know. <laughs> he was 17. Yeah. Well. Maybe that makes it worse. Um, <laughs> supposed to be 17. How we get there, it's nice to know that the hard-working classic history had nothing to do with that. And oh, it was yeah. just some bored author who yeah. just decided to fuck it all up, yeah. you know? And originally it was just, like, people trying to explain why, like, their families were dying at, like, massive rates. Yeah, you know. It's beautiful. Yeah. Not yeah. really. It's sad. But it that's, like, fit perfectly with... Today I attended a lecture that was about um, tuberculosis yeah. and how it kind of travels, travels about. And we got it from seals. But look up... Anne Stone from ASU. She's got good stuff going on over there. That's what I hear, people. Well, you know, it's interesting how... It's always interesting to kind of know, like, you get these modern tropes in, in movies and cinema and kind of where they come from. And, you know, um, what's interesting is, you know, uh, as we kind of uh, shamble on over to Force Movie Corner, Ooh, that's exactly what, what, what I had planned, uh, planned here today. So... Um, what are we talking about? Well, what first, do you have first and foremost, sixty seconds. To I have all the goddamn time in the world, and as a matter <laughs> of fact, um, this was a short episode. We give you some. Fluff. So, <laughs> first and foremost, um, Forrest's movie corner is in fact running a Christmas special right now. Oh, that is what cool. I came prepared for, oh, and that's what you're going to get. Well, you have enough so, Christmas movies you like to talk to about it for the next Forrest's, like three weeks. Um, movie corner Christmas special. So, what we're talking about today is the film Black Christmas, originally titled Silent Night, Evil Night, okay? So, most people are going to tell you that this is actually the first slash movie. When we talk about slasher movie... Slasher, like Scream. Um, yeah, kind of like Scream. So, yes, it, actually, to a certain extent, precisely. So, 
what you're going to see in a lot of slash movies, whether it is Scream or, I don't know. Texas Te- Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, Friday the 13th. Would you consider Saw a slasher? Absolutely not. I consider that, that just movie. more like moving torture on. porn? Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's, it's, it's not a horror movie at all. all right. It's just a, Skip yeah, it. moving on. Well, the first Saw, I guess, That's was technically cool. a thriller psychological thriller drama but then the second saw and you know the continuation on was a different director so they were a lot worse right right bad bad director for the first one worse director for the other ones right exactly so <laughs> in a lot of slash movies the what makes a slash movie in a lot of in a lot of cases is the classic po it's a classic point of view from the slasher and, oh, you, and you don't know who the slasher is you don't know the hash sling slasher, like in Spongebob. Yes, yeah. You, you get from their point of view, and they're and they're doing all these kills, and they but you know in a lot of the cases they don't show you who the killer is because it's always from like their point of view. That was first done. But the entire movie isn't shot like that. No, correct? no, no, not the entire movie. It's Parts. just when the when the, yes. when the kills are happening. So anyway, this is really the first movie uh, to do that, and it is a uh, because once again this is a Christmas special movie. Um, it is it's set in the Christmas, and I'll kind of give you the uh, the backdrop here. So it is a. It's, it's a, Christmas. It's a, it's, it's a college sorority house. Of course it um, is. What slasher movie doesn't take place, like, anyway? Well, this one is awesome, though. The, okay. fe- the it, it's, an, it's an sorority house, and the actresses in it, it's, it's, they're awesome. So it's a Canadian film. It stars uh, Olivia Hussey, uh, Hussey, haha, uh, <laughs> uh, Care D'Elia, Margot Kidder, Andre Martin, Lynn Griffin, and John Saxon. The, the one you know... When does Paul Giamatti come in? He doesn't. Um... The, uh, the one that you probably know out of that is Margot Kidder. Um, yeah, K-I-D-D-E-R. Look her up. Um, without kind of getting into her filmography, you know who this is. All you right. know, um, She's great. Ended up dying of, um, I think, severe alcoholism. Um, but anyway, great actress. Anyway, so this movie, it's kind of just... It's, it's a great, honestly, a really good holiday movie as basically a deranged killer starts to kind of pick off these sorority girls one by one. They don't know, you know, who's uh, doing it. You know, there's a hilarious house mom who's an alcoholic who throughout the movie just kind of shambles around like pulling alcohol out of weird spots in this, um, you know, in this sorority house. Like the classic scene is she, she pulls a bottle of Jack out from the upper deck of the toilet, you know? Yeah. And it's great. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good whodunit because there's this crazy boyfriend intertwined in it and he, you kind of like the audience wants to think it's him and it might be him, but it's also probably not him. And, um, and it also, there's another kind of trope of the killers inside the house, right? Of course. Uh, it kind of came from an urban, urban legend, um, called like the babysitter and the man in the house and the man upstairs, you know? Anyway, this is one of the first movies that really picture that where they actually use that scene where the police like have the, the girl on the phone and the police realize that the killer's in the house and they're like telling her to get the hell out of the house. And anyway, um, honestly, it's just it's just a great sort of cozy wintertime movie. It's pretty scary. It, it can be kind of scary here. There was a really good thriller. Can figure out who the killer is? The, so, oh, the Are you end, I don't want to... You have to say spoiler alert before you spoil I don't want to ruin the ending, but it's one of the best like cliffhanger right. endings to a horror you sold movie me. ever. You we can watch it. Um, where you don't know who the killer is and um, the movie does not end on a very, like, happy note. And, but the ending is, is tremendous, hmm. you know. So anyway. I'm convinced. Um, yeah, you want to see a good sort of uh, cozy sort of Christmas time movie with a, with a bit of an edge, I would watch Black Christmas. It's Black pretty. Christmas. I think there's a 2006 remake. It sucks Ass. All right, um, watch the original. Watch I just looked and it did come out in like 1776 nine, or something. Did not come out in 1776. Came out in 1974. Um, now, if you want to watch vampire stuff, uh, a couple Twilight episodes ago, couple episodes ago, super I, historically accurate. They do sparkle here, ladies and gentlemen. God, this used to be the only time. I do talk a little bit more, and they was a bit, you know, it's so so it's fair, but you know, the the, the forest is cinema corner used to be my corner. It used you know? to be sacred. Yeah. Well, um, I, I want you to interject when I talk, so I'm, you know. I know it's very fair, um, but the we already did cover um, uh, uh, Salem's Lot. If you want to watch a four-hour movie about mm. uh, vampires, or listen here, I think Twilight <laughs> is like an hour and a half. <laughs> And it's if, got love. It's got, you know, 
wholesome beliefs. It's wholesome. got sparkle. <sighs> yeah. If you only want to watch, and my it, to cap it off with uh, cinema about vampires, if you only if you only have forty five minutes, Billy and Mandy Save Christmas mm. is awesome. Have you ever seen that? No. It's basically Santa gets turned into a vampire. Oh, that's fun. And so they and so Billy and Mandy and Grim, you know, the Grim Reaper, yes. have to join forces with this hilarious like Victorian um, vampire. Um, Is this a movie? It's like, like it's, a short it's a kind Christmas of... special, so it's like forty five minutes long. It's a little longer than their average than their episodes, you mm. know. Um, I think it still comes on TV, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, or it's pretty you could great. watch one episode of What We Do in the Shadows and then be hooked, and then watch six more seasons of it. Yeah, that show's pretty great. It yeah. was pretty fire. Yeah. So if anyone knows if that's coming on for the next season, please tell us because we need to know. Yeah. Well, anyway, folks, now that I knew, now that I knew that um, this was not in fact a Christmas special, that in, in fact next episode is a Christmas special. I'll be back next week with a. I never said Christmas next movie. episode was the Christmas special. It might have to be the next episode's the Christmas special. I'm just gonna keep on doing Christmas movies, and I got. Yeah, I, I got you a can do like yeah, ones. you yeah. can you know do the, you know the Christmas movie extravaganza bonanza. Yeah. But anyway, this this is a fun one, I, and I feel like vampires. It's kind of a cold. Like castle, it's kind of a cozy theme. It's yeah. kind of ho- it's kind of like in between Halloween and almost yeah. sort of like dark Christmas. I think there's just know? so much like history to it because like people have been scared of what goes bump in the night for probably as long as they've been here, and I feel like vampires are like I don't know. I feel like a v- vampire is like a very old like spook, you know, like yeah. of our collective consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways you can go with it. I went the disease route, but you could all go to the sexy route or like the, what was the the vampire thing that you were asking me about? The the graveyard one that's in the Northeast. Oh, the vampires of like Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, I think yeah. that was in England. That was oh, like okay. almost like ghosts too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's paranormal aspects yeah. to it, but yeah. it's very interesting. There's a yeah. lot to lot to learn about. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can do another. We can do a vampire episode probably like once a year. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. But that was all I had. That was all you had. That that is all. I that had is to all. Say. Alrighty. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye.